0: Hey, it's Michelle Siraki with Pitbull Advocates of America, and this is our podcast. Thank you for joining us today. I hope that this inspires you and challenges you, and I hope that it equips you to attach action to your advocacy. Enjoy the podcast. Hey, everybody. It's Michelle Siraki with Pitbull Advocates of America, and this is our podcast. We're already up to episode number five. I don't even know how that happened. I hope that you listened and enjoyed the first four episodes, and that's why you're coming back for more to see what else we have for you. One of the things that I really want to do through this podcast is interview advocates that have been doing advocacy for Dogs perceived as pitbulls in all sorts of different ways and capacities. And I couldn't think of a better person to be my very first interview than Rue Yori. He is dad to Wallace the Pitbull and to Hector the Pitbull. And he is currently the canine ninja on American Ninja Warrior. So you may have heard of him throughout one of those ways. He's been doing phenomenal advocacy for many years, and I was just so thrilled to have an opportunity to talk to him. So I really hope that you enjoy this part one of our interview with him and learn all about Wallace and Hector. Enjoy! So today, we're welcoming Rue Yori to the Pitbull Advocates of America podcast. Hi, Rue.
1: Hey, how's it going?
0: Really well. We're so happy to have you. Thank you for taking time out to be with us today. Happy Um, to be here. I want to dive right into several different things with you about Wallace and about Hector and about American Ninja Warrior. But for some of the folks that don't know you, why don't we just start out with where you are in the United States how, you know, what dogs are hanging out with you. And then we can move into how you got into advocacy.
1: I grew up in Illinois, actually, but uh, most of my adult life, or all my adult life, I've been in Rochester, Minnesota. So I went to college in Winona, Minnesota, in okay. Mayo Clinic, it's right down the street, had a biology degree, so got in there and been there for the most part ever since. I have three dogs with us right now. Uh, two of them are ours, so I have a bull named Johnny and a uh, Corgi Mix, Suno- <laughs> what? A three-legged rescue named Juju. And okay. Johnny and Juju are best buds. They're great together. And then we also have a foster dog right now, Henry. He's a foster dog a while back. Fortunately, he came back and started having some issues in the home. Um, so we're trying to work through some of those issues and Maybe get him adopted. He he might be a long-time foster, unfortunately, we'll see. But he's the one that's (laughs) kind of hanging out with me right now. The other two are down with Clara.
0: Very cool. Who are you fostering for?
1: do it through Camp Companion, so they're a local rescue here. Henry came from Safe Humane, Chicago, part of the Court Case Dog Program. So that's where Johnny came from. We fostered a number of dogs through them. And so Camp Companion lets me kind of pull dogs and do any type of fostering that I'd like to do here in Rochester.
0: That's very cool. Well, let's jump right into, so you and I, when we originally met, which was probably 12-ish years ago, a really long time ago, when we were both really young, (laughs) we met, I think, kind of through the dog that you had then, whose name was Wallace. And can you kind of tell us a little bit about how Wallace came to be in your life and where that whole thing took you?
1: So Claire and I, our first couple dogs that we got were adopted. We went to the shelter and uh, we knew that we wanted to rescue a dog. We adopted two dogs. One was a Heinz 57 mutt named Ajax. And the other one was a little black lab puppy named Angus. And that kind of sparked our passion for dog rescue because, you know, we adopted two of them. We released planning on adopting one but we ended up adopting two but there was still a lot of dogs back in the shelter that needed a home that we wanted to help and so we started volunteering with the shelter Clara actually started to work for the shelter and one of the dogs that came into that shelter was a pit bull that they named Wallace and he was a bit of a handful to say the least <laughs> was, uh, he was an interesting dog he was having some trouble in that type of environment it was really yeah. stressful for him he was a pretty energetic dog and so he was just not doing well in that environment. Back then, people were very scared of pit bulls even more than they are today. And so kind of had a black cloud over him a little bit because he was having issues because he was a pit bull. The shelter at the time uh, felt that he was kind of a liability. And so Claire and I and a group of others kind of stood up for him. We fought for him. Long story short, we ended up getting him as a foster dog. So we were able to get him out of the shelter. And we we're originally thinking we would adopt him out as a weight pull dog because we thought that's what pit bulls do. I wasn't like this pit bull guy.
0: What year was this?
1: That was uh, 2005. So okay. there was Right at the end of 2004, actually. So okay. I think he came into the shelter the summer or end of the summer 2004. We t- got him out of the shelter and took him in as a foster uh, right at the end of 2004.
0: Awesome, thank yeah. you. Yeah, so it was a while
1: back. It was like yeah. 15 years ago now. So like, right. it's crazy to think. But right. so I like again, I wasn't a pit bull guy, I just like dogs and. You know, I didn't really care what they look like. I just wanted, you know, to help dogs regardless if there was a good dog, you know, or if I thought I could help that dog regardless of what it looked like, that's what I wanted to do. So that's what we did with Wallace. And again, we're getting him in the weight pole because we thought, you know, that's what pit bulls in our area did. There was weight sure. pull competitions, and that's like a tractor pull for dogs almost. But then he was great at it. We didn't get a lot of interest, though, <laughs> as far as people wanting to adopt him. As he was our foster dog, we also found out that he really liked to play Frisbee. We got into Frisbee with Ajax, actually the first dog that we adopted. And Clara was playing fetch with Wallace at the shelter and she's like why don't you give Wallace a shot and he's sitting down there he liked to play fetch with toys at the shelter and I did took him out in the backyard and he was just a natural at it and he, he just took to that frisbee right away I didn't really know what I was doing <laughs> but Wallace seemed to know what he was doing you know he'd run grab the disc really naturally bringing it back wanting to play really engaged and so it just kind of started down that road and researched it online and there was a guy that was trying to start a frisbee dog club here in rochester so got together with him and a small group back then and just started to research the competitions that they had for frisbee dogs i didn't that i didn't know about you know i was like oh i guess there's these competitions for dogs that play frisbee and so just yeah just started watching videos online of people that would do it And because back then youtube was new right it was like yeah <laughs> a cool thing called youtube facebook wasn't even an option like that was just for college kids i think back then so it wasn't yeah. like on forums and you know posting videos on youtube and all that kind of stuff so it was cool and you know i loved it myself And it just started to create this bond between me and Wallace. Again, nobody really wanted to adopt him. He wasn't that good with other, he actually wasn't good at all with other dogs. And so we had to rotate him and that kind of was a barrier for people wanting to adopt him because a lot of people that are in dog sports, they have multiple dogs, you know. And so but we made it work for us and. You know, I was having a good time with him, and we just kind of ran with it, and he became really good. We actually won a national world championships in yeah. the sport of the We were on national TV, and it was definitely unexpected, but uh, definitely was a big, important piece of my life and kind of shaped by right where I am today, actually.
0: So. Yeah, I bet. I bet. That's, I think, where I kind of come into finding out about you and Wallace was somewhere shortly after that, I, I think I saw a video probably on the brand new YouTube, YouTube no. <laughs> you know, or the newer <laughs> YouTube at the time. You know, yeah. I definitely know what it had to do with this Frisbee. And I know that I saw you guys somewhere and then we somehow got hooked up together for a people awareness day celebration for our organization but
1: yeah no that was good that's you know i started doing that kind of stuff because it was interesting because i found out through playing frisbee with wallace that i could sit there and talk all i wanted and tell people my opinions of dogs like wallace but it didn't really do a lot of good to be completely honest because you know, they had their opinions, I have my opinions, we can talk about it. But you know, is that really changing their mind? A lot of times, I don't think so. But at the same time, when they were at the park or were at a competition, and they saw Wallace, yeah. they got to meet Wallace and experience Wallace. That's yeah. when they were like, Whoa, you know, this is like, they would want to meet Wallace, even people that were scared of pit bulls, would wanna meet Wallace just because of what we were doing up on the Frisbee field because it was entertaining. It was showing Wallace as just a dog, you know, he's I get that comment a lot that I didn't know pit bulls could play frisbee. I was yeah. like, Well Pitbulls are dogs. Right. right.
0: Yes. I love um, your shirt. Yes. My, I noticed my that.
1: Pitbulls are dogs too, and dogs play frisbee. So why yeah, can't pitbulls play frisbee? You know, I think that's why videos on YouTube did so well because, you know, just kind of unique and new. And most of the dogs out on the field for frisbee competitions are border collies, cattle dogs, you know, Australian shepherds, that kind of thing. And I'm walking out there with my pitbull. <laughs> you know, right. Um, turning some heads, and there were a couple others out there as well, which was nice. Fortunately, the disc dog community was pretty welcoming. A lot of them are involved with rescue, and so it was cool. They're very welcoming, like I said, and, you know, we're very encouraging, I guess. It was always nice to see a different type of dog out there than a black and white border collie sometimes, but... You know because yeah. everybody's like cheering on the, the unique dog but then all of a sudden they're like wait a second you're actually good too
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah maybe yeah. we shouldn't be right. quite so encouraging to let them have a <laughs> little bit, a bit of a, a hurdle yeah.
1: right we got we gotta worry about these guys <laughs> so it was fun though you know we like I said kind of dove in with it and I saw the impact that Wallace was having and it was such a bigger impact than me talking about it and so basically what we did is I had my friend, Josh, who started the Frisbee Dog Club here in town. He would kind of follow me around with a camera, you know, and he was at the competitions as well. We would go to the park and practice, and we'd film it. So, because then I was like, I can show people. You know, I don't have to tell people when we're playing Frisbee. I just, I have to show it. And then people could see it with their own eyes. It was entertaining. And they'd be like, Oh, this is cool. And we got a lot of attention uh, because yeah. of it, you know, back then we did a Rocky training montage video. Yes. That was that's like one of my favorite one viewed video for pets and animals back then, the day that we released it. And yeah. I think I did like a two thousand six achievement video as well. And that got number one in the pets and animals category as well, just showing what we were capable of and went from there. So it was cool. Yeah, it was uh, definitely an impactful time, I guess, for both pit bulls and myself and us.
0: I absolutely was honored to be able to watch the impact that you and Wallace were having As I was really early in my advocacy as well, and had my own. Pitbull that, you know, I was having the same effect where I would talk to someone, Capone wouldn't be with me for whatever reason, and it was just really hard to get people to really open up. Like Some people were really cordial about it, and they'd sit and talk to you about it, but you could tell that they really weren't emotionally changing or, you know, really opening up their mind to thinking a different way. And Capone, also similar to Wallace, didn't appreciate other dog friends. So, you know, when we were at those types of events, I couldn't spring him, but walking down the street with him was a totally different story. And he just was so friendly and so overly exuberant with people, you know, you could really see the difference that having that dog along could make. I remember the Rocky video and it was absolutely one of my favorites, I think of all time too, that of all of the videos that I've seen that you guys have done. So you won the Purina championship and where did you go with your advocacy from there? I know that you have a book and... I know that, unfortunately, for those of you that aren't real familiar with Wallace's story, he isn't with us anymore. But toward the end of his life, he did a bucket list, and there were things like meeting Betty White on it. So what (laughs) happens? You know, you're doing some frisbee tournaments, and you're making some videos, and then this whole thing kind of blew up into its own little beast or machine or something. So how did that all kind of come about? It just kept snowballing in a positive way way.
1: Yeah, it came about by mistake. To be honest, um, I wish I could say I had this grand plan that I executed, and you know, it happened, but that wasn't the case. I'll be honest. You know, we were just having fun. We were just having a good time. You know, I saw a lot of people arguing, and you know, there's always the arguing online. as you know, especially we see it a lot today with social media. But uh, back then, again, it was more on forums. And I felt that we were in a position where we were here in Minnesota. We don't have BSL. We don't have any breed bans or legislation that would prevent me from doing anything with Wallace. And so I've kind of felt a responsibility because I would read online how, you know, people were having dogs taken away from them or not being able to find housing and all that kind of stuff. And I saw the impact that Wallace had, so I just felt some type of responsibility to do something about it. I thought we were in a unique position and I thought that Wallace had a unique gift that we could do that with and I just saw the impact that he had by showing people and playing frisbee and you know videotaping it so that's kind of what I wanted to do I was like you know people can talk all they want they can continue to argue online I'm gonna go out there and do cool stuff
0: filming yeah yeah
1: Show everybody, and people responded really well to that not only the people who were kind of pit bull advocates because it was like finally somebody's out there Uh, doing something like showing this on a larger scale of all the things that we've been talking about right there's somebody actually going out there and winning competitions and just saying here we are here
0: i am look at me look at me and my my dog that people think is a pit bull look at this
1: yep it's like here we are this is who we are i hope you like us you know but you know we're gonna we're gonna have some fun and like i said people responded really well not just like i said not just the people who were pro pitbull you know we got a lot of people that it kind of opened the door to be able to have that conversation to say hey what you're seeing on the media, you know maybe the negative stereotype isn't the complete conversation you know i'm not denying that those things are happening we need to address those things appropriately but How a lot of people are saying we should address those things are not appropriate. And there's a lot more to the story that we need to consider. And so I tried to work those type of knowledge points or, you know, those conversations into the interviews that I would do. I'd work it into the videos that we did, comments in the descriptions that I would put out there. And, you know, like I said, just that people took really well to it. He's got a huge following. Online, yeah. um, you know, when Facebook became an option, we did a page for him, and yeah. he still got over 600,000 likes on his Facebook page and whatnot. And we did get a book written about us by uh, Jim Grant. it's a great book.
0: It Probably is a great book, a. yeah. Yeah, I
1: should go grab a title, Wallace. So if you search Wallace by Jim Grant, he wrote The Lost Dogs as well. He's
0: a great. Great fantastic writer, great author yeah fantastic yeah. author and really did the story I feel like so yeah. much justice I think he yeah. did just a beautiful job
1: and we were super open about it you know I wanted to be real about our story and so we were very open and honest about our struggles with Wallace you know what we had because it wasn't all rainbows and sunshine you know right
0: um, sure <laughs> yeah when is we, we it struggled.
1: You know, I wanted to be real. I've always wanted to be real about what we do. And so Jim did a great job. And I was really proud to be able to share that story and have that continue to be out there today.
0: Oh, that's wonderful. You guys did a movie too. I had actually forgotten about this for a moment. And then I was like, oh my gosh, wait, we had a rescue dog that played baby Wallace in his movie. I had forgotten all about that. Right? Friday. I
1: I remember that. I forgot about that. That I just swung down and picked up that poster dog
0: and, she was uh, deaf so, yeah
1: <laughs>
0: I think that yeah. that made the weekend a little more interesting but yeah you know but yeah. she still did a really great job is yeah. there any place where people can still access that or is that not I don't
1: know I think I maybe have a copy yeah it was kind of more of a documentary type yeah. of thing I'm not sure if that's available really yeah. anymore. I was just curious where?
0: I know I have a copy yeah. of it too somewhere yeah. I should tell you that I know exactly. It's like right here, but I don't know where it is, but I know it's here somewhere. (laughs) Well, that's exciting. So I feel like it was probably a lot more intentional when you made this bucket list and kind of this intentional way to cap off a beautiful, beautiful life. So can you tell me a little bit about that?
1: Yeah. So it was kind of bittersweet a little bit because when we were doing all the Frisbee videos, and people knew Wallace as this champion frisbee dog, right? But they only know what I put out there, right? If that makes any sense, like. And I have a full time job, you know. Mm. I'm putting out there what I can, but at the same time, it's limited as to who Wallace was, right? Right. And yes. so it it pretty much was solely mostly our frisbee work in our frisbee competitions and it was Wallace as this frisbee rock star there was more to Wallace though. you know I'm sorry
0: no I'm <laughs> so know. sorry I know
1: I was excited when the book came along you know we kind of had retired from the sport and I was excited to kind of showcase Wallace as just the dog who he was right so we were retired from frisbee book came out and we are like, all right, we're getting ready to go on this book tour. You know, we're going to be traveling around and letting people meet Wallace and just to get to know Wallace more as this cool dog versus just this Frisbee champ that they see doing cool stuff. And so in our first kind of book event, book signing event, Wallace actually got really sick. And we were coming home from we were staying with my parents about ready to leave town and claire's like wallace's gums are super white and he kind of collapsed and we happened to be real close to an emergency vet and fortunately we got there in time unfortunately they found a mass on his spleen and we discovered he had hemangiosarcoma which is not a good cancer to have at all, and it's fortunately too common in dogs, and it's a really aggressive cancer. They thought that it was localized to a spleen, so we actually made the call to have a splenectomy, remove the spleen, because dogs can live without a spleen, and hope that it hadn't kind of metastasized anywhere else. We were lucky that it hadn't, and so, but that threw us for a loop, because we went from being super excited about the book release, and wanting to share walls with the world to now thinking we might only have a couple weeks left with him because the prognosis for mangiosarcoma is super short. You know, it, it was two weeks to three months. That's what we were told without yeah. chemo. And then maybe six months with chemo. And, you know, that completely changed the landscape of what we were expecting to do or what we were hoping to do sure. uh, for the next several years, right? It just blindsided us.
0: Pulled the rug out from under you completely.
1: yeah. Exactly. And so we got to a point where we didn't do chemo, but we found this uh, mushroom therapy that, that actually was done with dogs with the sarcoma. It was just the right call for Wallace. I'm not saying it's the right call for every dog, but that was what we want, needed to do for Wallace. And Clara was like, you know, after a couple of weeks, she's like, I don't want to be sad this whole time. She's like, we don't know how long we have with him and let's make the time that we have with him fun. so so she was the one she's like let's make a bucket list and I was Uh, like I love the idea I think that's great and so we made an initial bucket list and we put stuff that we thought he might like to do that we would like to do with him and we thought it'd be fun to do Uh, ride in a motorcycle sidecar get a hole in one was one (laughs) of them meet Betty White, play disc at our favorite park and we were fortunate enough that the treatment actually worked very well and we had to extend our bucket list because Uh. Six months came and you still with us you know and nine months came and he was still with us he actually lasted almost a year Uh, it was a little over 11 months and it was a second cancer that actually came and had to make us make that decision but that was more time than we thought we were going to have and we just tried to make the most of it until it was that time to to say goodbye and so it was an amazing year you know we experienced a ton of stuff we went to the ocean you know and it was a lot of fun you know again bittersweet because we were just doing what we can because we knew the time was limited, but we really felt fortunate to have that time and, and have those experiences um, well, at the end.
0: Well, as a fan, number one, as a friend, and as a lover of pitbull type dogs and an advocate, I was just so grateful that you and Clara still, even, you know, with your family going through this and with it being so difficult that you still were like, okay, we're still going to share this with the community and we're still going to give Wallace more of an opportunity to change more minds and to just show the beauty that these dogs have. You know, some people could have really easily just said, this is it. We're without any judgment for me. They could have just said, you know, we're just going to go and just be with him and just be our family. And we're just going to do this in private and just, you know, enjoy him for as long as we have. And you guys still decided that you were still going to be advocates. And I just have so much respect for that because I can't imagine how hard it was to share that part with the world too at the same time. And then we'll totally stop talking about sad things. But you did a video and I, I still to this day cannot watch it without getting incredibly emotional. And it was his last frisbee time. And it's just a beautiful video. We'll put a link in the podcast description to a couple of the videos, probably to the Rocky one too but because um, I because I get to pick the links so I'm probably gonna pick my favorites but we'll put you know a link in there because it's just such an unbelievably beautiful moment and people will they'll need some tissue close by but it's especially as someone that got to watch him really I mean from so early on it was just an honor to be able to actually kind of be part of that. You know, I guess I think sometimes when you're a fan of somebody or something, you feel when you allow someone to come into something like that, it's just amazing. So thank you on behalf of probably uh, thousands of people that loved that about you too.
1: Yeah, it was our pleasure. It kind of allowed us that last year and sharing all those opportunities kind of allowed us to showcase wallace the dog you know because yeah. wasn't necessarily the way that we expected to but it still still worked and you know i think that's kind of <laughs> kind of a uh, par for wallace's course uh for his life you know yeah he accomplished great things typically wasn't how i expected
0: yeah it was kind um, of always on his terms right even yeah, if he, he somehow he was pulling the strings and yeah <laughs>
1: absolutely so it always worked out and um you know he always kind of seemed to seem to find a way to make it work and, and come out on top at the end so it was, uh, it was pretty cool he was a really special dog and i'm just like i said honored to be a part of that and be able to share that uh-huh. to help make a difference not only for her, us but for everybody else that was helping you know having to deal with all the stereotypes and discrimination that we faced as People who own a certain type of dog.
0: Yeah, the type of advocacy that you were able to do with him, I think, really just gives owners and just regular old Joe Schmo people like when I just had Capone and that was it, and it was like you gave me hope, you know. You and Wallace gave me hope. Is the Wallace Foundation something that are you still like taking donations there? Uh, We
1: have Wallace Pitbull Foundation. We have lots of books, so yeah, I'm basically using Wallace Pitbull Foundation to do fundraising. I'm not necessarily as hands-on in the rescue world as I used to be. Everything else going on, but at the same time, I still wanted to leverage Wallace's platform to help the dogs that are still facing the things he was facing back then. They're still facing it today, so they need homes. They you know, they're sitting in shelters, so we need to give them a chance. And so we yeah. raise money through Wallace Pitbull Foundation. And we have uh, books, so Wallace's book, and okay. we have a stamp made out of his paw stamp. So yeah. it's actually, I had one made on the day that he passed. And so we hand stamped that for every book. It's a $20 donation to Wallace Pitbull Foundation, and I will happily mail you a Wallace book, With uh,
0: his paw stamp and I'll sign it as well. Very cool. Oh, that's super neat. Yeah, the potograph. Yep. Potograph. Boom. Yep. Yep. Love it. I love it. We can shift gears, not to take anything away from Wallace at all, but you actually didn't just have one celebrity dog <laughs> in your life, right? Because one's just yep. never enough. So you actually, though, became Hector the Pitbull's dad. And Hector was from the unfortunate Michael Vick dogfighting bus in 2007. So holy cow, we've got a whole nother story to go here. How did that all come about? And... Tell me a little bit about how Hector entered the picture.
1: So 2007 was the year that we won the Purina Incredible Dog Challenge. And that was actually the same year that they found the dog fighting operation on Vic's property. So I had seen the impact that Wallace was having uh, with people. And just knowing that, seeing Wallace kind of speak for himself through his actions and being able to provide that platform for Wallace to do that, uh, I saw the impact of that. And I knew that this was going to be kind of a unique case with the Vic case and those dogs coming out of that. It was the first time that advocates had actually been able to get in there to evaluate the dogs and actually look at the dogs. Most of the time, they were just, you know, automatically assumed to be dangerous and not adoptable and euthanized, right? Yeah. And so, but advocates were actually able to go in there and evaluate the dogs. I knew that there was going to be, you know, millions of eyeballs on this situation I was kind of already doing that with Wallace. I was very invested in the cause. And so since, you know, I'd seem to have a knack for that with Wallace, I said, I, I always thought that it's like, what if just at least a couple of those dogs could come out of that situation and prove themselves right yeah like fortunately a lot of dogs got that chance right and they changed the landscape of our, our advocacy right because you know they showed that they were all individuals some dogs came out of there and they needed more time to recover and you know kind of have Get a quiet that. life other dogs like hector came out of that situation and was like just needed to get out of that spot and was an incredible dog from the get-go of getting out of that situation and so I reached out to Bad Rap and I had kind of uh, had interactions with them online with Wallace with what I was doing with Wallace so they knew who I was and I reached out to them I was like hey I know this is kind of unique situation here's my situation you know we had multiple dogs I'm like I need a dog that is good with dogs because Wallace wasn't you know (laughs) and we were already rotating I didn't want you know more rotations and so I said if you have a dog you took into that rap because they're one of the ones that went in to evaluate those and and rescue some of them let me know and I would you know see if it would be a good fit with our family and Long story short, it ended on Hector. He was awesome. You know, he he had scars all down his chest. He was missing a couple teeth, you know, had some notches out of his ear and tongue and whatnot. So, some stuff happened. I don't exactly know the details of that, but what I do know is that he was a pretty amazing dog and he incorporated into our other dogs really quickly. He got along with other dogs really well, actually, um, even despite where he came from and the signs that he showed from his past life, which is a lesson in my mind. If If you contrast Wallace and Hector... Right. I would tell you that I have a dog that was raised well, because we actually know Wallace's whole story. He was raised well, never encouraged to fight, all that kind of stuff. And I have a dog that we rescued from a dog fighting situation with scars on his chest and everything like that. One of them's dog aggressive, one of them's not. Which one would you pick? You'd pick Hector as probably being the one that has issues with dogs, but that wasn't the case. You know, Wallace was the one that had issues with dogs and Hector was not. So that is a testament in my mind and I tried to use that a lot because people have these assumptions in their head and Just like, it's not always the case, you know, it's like sometimes that that might be, but we can't assume that because each dog has their thresholds. Each dog is an individual with, you know, certain experiences. And we assume a lot of things, I think, from people wanting to know why, wanting to know the answers to everything. But sometimes we just actually need to put that aside and, and find out for real.
0: It really blew people's preconceived notions just out of the water you know, to like what you were saying when you're saying, which one would you think would be the dog aggressive one? Which was not, again, by your design, but wow, was that a powerful message to be able to have those two dogs and to be able to show them in that way. We were lucky enough to meet Hector a couple of different times and he got all dressed up and came to a (laughs) ball that we had. And he he cleaned up well, absolutely, absolutely. And similar to a lot of the dogfighting victims that I've had a chance to work with, he really, um, I feel like almost craved the love. He just was so great and so charismatic and just knew how to work a crowd or work over a person.
1: Yeah, it was Hector's world. I found that out real quick. Wherever he went, he owned a place. You know, <laughs> we, we went on live national television on the CBS early show and he walked onto that set with cameras, the lights, new people sat on the couch. He's like, Hey, how's it going? You know, so walking down New York City, you know, he was one heck of a dog, regardless of where he came from, then you, you, know, you kind of factor in the life that he had. And it's just pretty incredible.
0: Right. It's magnificent. It really is. And, and again, just really a testament to needing to get to know each dog in any situation, because you just can't predict what they're going to act like, even just because of their past or how they look, or any of that. You know, it's really just about getting to know them as individuals, which is a huge thing that we're pushing on here, right? (laughs) But it's so true. It's just, it's so true. And it's true so far beyond dogs. It's so relevant in a lot of different things that are going on in our world that people... Are individuals and dogs are individuals and other animals are too, and really need to try to just take people or dogs or whatever that we're coming across one at a time and really make our own decisions about what's going on right there, right then. But yeah, Hector really, he was so much fun to be around.
1: I think most people that know Hector know this, but Hector actually did become a certified therapy dog. I think it was maybe within a year of us adopting him so uh, you know we would actually go around to some nursing homes and we did a lot with dog bite prevention with him because he would love to explore he was really good with kids uh you know so we would visit a lot of schools and you know teach them how To be kind to dogs, how to act around dogs, what to do if they see a stray dog running around, and you know, how not to get in trouble with that and make the dog do something that uh, could be bad for both of them. It was really special to, to watch him do that. You know, he'd have his little therapy dog vest on and he had yeah. little business cards in his pouch and everything. So he loved those adventures and he was just a really solid dog. And again, another time where it's an honor to be a part of it and be able to give him that pleasure. Platform and that opportunity to, to show who he was, because it's really all I was doing, you know, it was pretty cool.
0: That's really great. I mean, humane education and getting to the kids early is so important. And we had one of the Missouri 500 dog fighting survivors in our family for a while, Marlon, and he did some therapy work as well. And we specifically took him to the inner city a lot. And the kids had a real emotional reaction, which was interesting to his scarring and to Mm -hmm. his outward physical problems that were evidence of where he had been and, and what had been going on. And some of these kids were really potentially in situations where their uncles or their other extended family members were active in that in Milwaukee. And um, the younger kids would sometimes spill the beans a little bit more openly than the older kids. But when they got a chance to meet and interact, it really changed. It was very impactful. And I can imagine the impact that Hector had on some of those kids that they really needed to feel differently because a lot of the kids that we met too, they really have this mental disconnect of the Bajan that, that their family has in the living room or the Shih Tzu that their family has is really their pet. But the pipple that is chained up outside is not a pet for whatever reason. And they're very scared of it and they can't get near it. And so for them to be able to get near and touch, I, I some kids would be like, oh my gosh, he's so soft. <laughs> Was like, what do you think? Like, he's going to have bristles? Like, yeah, he's right. yes, he's just a furry dog, you know? So how cool that Hector was able to do that and I'm sure have that really strong impact on a lot of those kids. So what a blessing.
1: Yeah, it was really cool. There's so many levels to that because also a lot of times Hector would flip over. He'd kind of flop over as a big old baby in my arms, you know, yes. and he'd just lay there and he'd, he'd dangle his tongue. and But <laughs> it would expose the scars, right? and. It was kind of a lesson to a lot of kids, too, I think, that, and maybe kind of older teens when we would meet with some of them, that if they had gone through some potentially bad situations, you know, growing up, that it didn't necessarily have to affect who they became or who yes. they are, you know, because it's like they had to do what they had to do to get through that situation, you know, mm-hmm. but as soon as they get a shot to show who they actually are and who they want to be, take it. You know, and so I think it could help younger kids um, kind of get over that as well and just kind of think about things differently about their own lives. So it was really, again, really cool.
0: Yeah, such a cool take on it, too. And I'm I'm sure that that happened so many times. And that is, that's so cool. Well, we're getting pretty close to wrapping it up now, Ruth. So, where can people go to donate if they're interested in donating to just follow you to find out what you're doing? Where can they do that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Go to wallacefitballfoundation.org. That is the foundation website. That's where you can get Wallace's book. There should be information in there, both about Wallace and Hector, how to donate to the Ninja for Dogs fundraiser and all kinds of stuff. And then I'm all over uh, social media, the standard ones, you know, Facebook, uh, Instagram, Twitter a little bit, um, but uh, under Roo Yori. So just uh, go R-O-O-Y-O-R-I at Facebook or Instagram. You'll find me there and follow me and keep up with what I'm doing. We'd love to have you along for the
0: ride. Absolutely. We'll put links for that in the description as well. So if you're going to be able to find what Rue is talking about and where to go in the links and we're just so glad. Thank you so much for taking the time out again for us. We really appreciate it. We just appreciate all your time and all that you're doing for dogs perceived as pit bulls and all that you're doing for rescue dogs in general. I love you, and I'm so happy to know you, and I appreciate you so very much.
1: Yeah, likewise. I appreciate you having me on. It's always good to, you know, come on and and share the stories and keep Wallace and Hector's story going because, you know, it was a while back, to be honest, and uh, there's a lot of – Great accounts out there these days that are yeah. you know probably more in front of people's eyes, which I think is amazing. It's always great also to kind of remind people that what Wallace and Hector did back in the day, and I kind of see Wallace as almost like the Jackie Robinson of uh, the yes. big old world, if you will. You know, he was kind of the first breakthrough type of thing, and so he's a
0: pioneer. Uh, he was, Absolutely, yeah, he was a total yeah. pioneer. <laughs> yeah. For was, sure. Uh,
1: yeah, I always appreciate the opportunity to, to share his story and talk about him.
0: Oh, well, we are honored to have that story on our podcast. So give all your dogs hugs and kisses from us. You guys have a really great night. Thank you again for your time. I appreciate it so yeah. much.
1: Yeah, good luck with uh, all the stuff you're doing. I will talk to you soon. Sounds good.
0: Okay, okay. bye. bye. I hope that you enjoyed part one of our interview with Rue Yori. No judgments. This is a no judgment zone. That was my first interview ever as a potential podcaster. Keep tuning in. I promise. That they're going to get better, everybody. I hope that you learned a lot about Wallace and Hector and take a look at some of Wallace's videos and at some of the work that was done with Hector online and check out Rue in social media land, mostly Facebook and Instagram are his two favorites and tune in for our next episode where we're going to talk with Rue all about American Ninja Warrior and how that came about and what it's like and what he's able to do for the rescue community and for dogs perceived as pit bulls through that. So God's best to you all. I wanna thank you for joining us today. I really hope that you enjoyed it. If you did, tell your friends and family, click the share button on the app or take a screenshot and put it on your social media. Please consider taking the next step in advocacy, you guys, by visiting the website at pitbulladvocates.org. Order a bumper sticker, start a campaign in your area, or just ask us for help. I wanna thank all of you who give financially to keep our mission moving forward. You can give now by simply texting P-B-A-O-A to 44321. We always appreciate your generosity. Oh, and don't forget to click subscribe. Apparently that's a really important part of this whole podcasting thing. Thank you all for being part of the solution and God bless you.